0: Hello, Savage Land listeners. It's Jason. What you're about to hear is the first episode of a new podcast called Comic Book Workshop. It is our podcast for talking all about the craft of making comics. Um, If you enjoy listening to people dissect uh, how everything is made and try to reverse engineer uh and learn how to make comics from that then i think you'll enjoy this one our first episode is with robert kirkman the creator of the walking dead invincible and many more things if you like this episode make sure you search for comic book workshop in your podcast app and hit subscribe Um, if you enjoy it so much that you want to throw a little back then uh, go on over and leave a rating or a review either way i hope you enjoy this first episode and i hope you'll be coming back for more I'm Jason Hammonds, a writer who also draws. And I'm Ken Heidelman, an artist who also writes. We are both making comics while still
1: learning to make comics. After tirelessly sweeping libraries, bookstores, and the internet for whatever information we could find on making comics, we thought it might be a good idea to share our notes.
0: We're hoping we can help you make your own comics as well. So, what's on the agenda today? Well, first we are bringing in an expert on uh, the matter of making comics. Ooh. You and I, we don't we don't know everything. Just, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Almost, we almost. We know pretty much everything about oh, making yeah. comics. Yeah, yeah. Robert Kirkman. I think he's made a couple more comics than we have, uh, and he's sold a couple more as well. I know it's he's new. He's a yeah. new guy. He's he made this uh, comic called The Walking Dead. Oh yeah, um, It's an uh, adaptation the of the TV show. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a TV show on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's working on the comic book adaptation of the, the big TV show. Um, so we decided to bring him in uh, to, to talk to us a little bit about creating comics. Uh, this was also a, an article, or this was done for our show as well as uh, an article in Panel by Panel Magazine, which I write for um exciting stuff man super exciting uh if you want to check out the piece go to panel com uh and you can check it out in this month's issue which dropped today as you're listening to this um i'm sure a lot of people are listening to this because of the article um absolutely you know it, it feeds into each other it's like a snake it's like a robert kirkman shaped snake oh, eating its own my tail God. <laughs> <laughs> um sure after uh our guest expert our guestpert if you will uh, we, uh, have another section where you and I are going to be talking about, uh, making your first comic. Pretty fun stuff. Kent, you've, you've been in that position before. You've, you've had a comic that you have seen all the way to fruition. Uh, finally. For the first time. Finally. finally. For the first time, yeah. Indeed. I have, I have done one so all the way to the finish line. We were, uh, we were relying on your expertise for this segment and, uh, you might notice listeners, the keen ear might hear us refer to the Robert Kirkman segment as if it's coming after uh, our, uh, our talking segment later. But actually, it already happened. That might be because we recorded that a while ago when we thought that was going to be the first segment. I don't know. It's a little choppy. <laughs> no but way of knowing. This There's, is uh, our first season. It's wizardry, Kent. It's <laughs> Magic happened, and that's what made it. Um, anyway... We're going to kick it on over to Robert Kirkman uh, just right about now. Make sure you stick on after the ad break uh, to hear Kent and I tell you about making your first comic. See you soon. Hey,
2: Robert. Hey, Jason. How are you?
0: Not too bad. How are you doing? I'm
2: doing great. Doing great.
0: That's good. sounds like uh, Sounds like you've had a, a pretty a pretty busy day, as as is probably uh, expected for you at this point.
2: I do my best not to, uh, you know, sit around.
0: Do you think you're a workaholic? Oh, sure. Yeah <laughs> is that is that kind uh, of like I why mean, you managed to be so prolific?
2: Uh yeah, I mean, I I, mean, I, I enjoy what I do, and so you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I try to make sure that I have time to live life and stuff too. But uh, you know, during working hours, I'm running around like a chicken with his head cut off if I can sound like <laughs> I'm from Kentucky for sure.
0: <laughs> I guess the biggest thing that I'm kind of curious about as, as we start sort of talking about Oblivion Song, um, you seem to kind of have more of an interest in using these you know big fantastical or dystopian worlds as kind of a lens to view people through rather than looking at the world itself and getting caught up in in the fantastical elements of that. Why, why do you think it is that you tend to focus on the human element of it rather than kind of the big sci-fi world element.
2: I think that's, that's where the story is for one. I think it's, you know, people struggle and, you know, their, their attempts to get by and live life and, 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 you know, do normal everyday kind of stuff is, is interesting. I think that uh, uh, it's also the most relatable to a person. I think if uh, if the story of oblivion song focused on, you know, generals, uh, you know, fighting monsters and, defi- and like building machines that build massive barrier. Like there's not,
3: mm-hmm.
2: there's not a lot that, it, that an audience can relate to there. But if the story focuses on a guy trying to reconcile his relationship with his brother or trying to find a lost loved one, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's something that we can all understand. We can all understand, uh, you know, having someone in our family, uh, a distance between us, uh, Uh, aspects of that that we don't like i mean these are all universal themes and so i think those universal themes keep me interested in the story and they make me want to continue to tell it Mm. and it serves to hopefully have that effect on the audience as well Mm. and so so that's kind of the name of the game i mean walking dead wouldn't be interesting in any way whatsoever if it was just a bunch of uh, a bunch of elite soldiers running around (laughs) killing zombies if those elite soldiers uh, had thoughts and fears and weaknesses and flaws. Mm. Well, then that's something interesting.
0: Yeah. Do you so in talking about kind of grounding the story, do you have like a, a sort of point of reference for when you when you're kind of writing Nathan's voice or or dialogue with him? Do you typically have like someone that you're thinking of to sort of ground that character, or is it usually kind of you know coming from your imagination of what this character is?
2: Well, I hate to give the lame answer but I guess for the most part it's just coming from my imagination it's not like I knew uh, uh, you know uh, my, my cousin's a soldier and you know he's like Nathan and yeah, yeah I kind of draw upon his experiences for this It's it's all just made up nonsense
0: of course it's it's funny. I always find like you know so, some writers. It's like they do better when the entirety of someone's voice that they're writing is is in their head. And then others, it's like, oh yeah, like I write this character, and I kind of you know like use sort of like some John McClane a little bit to to figure out if that sounds like something he'd say or uh, random stuff like that. I, I always find it interesting um, which approach people take with that. Um, I yeah. I'm I'm wondering with with Oblivion. It seems like the people who are living in Oblivion. Uh there's been something that's kind of altered them a bit you know that that maybe living in that environment has actually had a a chemical effect on on their minds is Is there something to that? Are they actually being affected by living in oblivion or do you think it's more the circumstance of living living there that's kind of changing their behavior
2: to my mind, it's more the circumstance. I think mm. that there's a a visual element to living among the fungus and Having certain growths attaching to their clothes and things like that, so that you see that you know they're the kind of of the world and, and and experiencing it in a intimate way. But I don't I don't necessarily feel like that's you know affecting them psychologically. It's not like they're you know breathing spores and becoming <laughs> different things. I mm-hmm. think that this is just uh, uh you know what readers are are are, are gleaning from this is. Just these are people that have been, you know, living a, a very arduous life in this dimension and struggling and all those kind of things. And so that's affecting them.
0: That makes sense. Um, do you when you're when you're writing for people in that type of, of circumstance, you know, that, that they're in this kind of like arduous and, and crazy thing and figuring out how they would react to that. I mean, are you, are you kind of like throwing things around and figuring it out all on your own or have you kind of done research on like, you know, PTSD and, and how that affects people?
2: Yeah, I, I do a fair bit of research on that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I've done it for walking dead. And so I kind of feel like I, um, you know, have some at least, you know, rudimentary knowledge of, of people and how they operate in the, in those respects um, but, uh, but yeah, and, and, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, I talk to a lot of people and, you know, it's something that, you know, you end up discussing with, uh, uh, Lorenzo De Felici, the mm-hmm. co-creator. So, uh, you know, we, we talk about stuff and we're able to share experiences, you know, from people we know and things we've experienced and things like that. And yeah. so, uh, I feel like by doing that between the two of us, we come up with, uh, a pretty well-rounded approach to things.
0: Mm-hmm and i I'm glad you brought up Lorenzo because i I wanted to ask he it's it's funny like if you were to tell somebody sort of the world and the style of this story without showing them anything, you know they they might picture much more of a uh you know like this kind of gritty hyper realistic style of art or something like that um you know, and so I think off the pitch alone, someone might not necessarily see Lorenzo's art as the right fit for it, but then as soon as you start reading the book you realize that absolutely you know, he is, I think, the only artist who could do this book. Uh, What is it about Lorenzo that you think made him such a perfect fit for Oblivion Song?
2: Well, I think, uh, uh, well, I mean, Lorenzo's amazing. Um, But I think uh, one of the things that really made him stand out when I discovered his art is just how well-rounded he is as an artist, just Mm -hmm. the fact that he can do so many different things. I mean, some of his uh, uh, Italian work is like funny-talking animals and, you know, completely... Uh, you know, cartoon stuff. And so uh, for him to be able to, uh, you know, do something that has such visual flair and a and, uh, sense of movement and, and that kind of work to uh, some of his, you know, I don't even know, darker, like more realistic things that he's done. I mean, he's done,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, uh, you know there's, I, I think it's from, I think there's like a, a thing from Hellraiser that he did on his, on his DeviantArt mm. uh, that's like really creepy looking. Yeah. And, and so like he's done the cutest stuff, he's done the creepiest stuff, he can draw violence, he can draw, you know, emotion. Um and, and just he has a really great sense of, of creature design as well, which is something that uh, you know, is really hard to find with all of those other aspects. I mean, yeah. you know, you can find someone that does really good character acting and you know, really good environments, but to have someone who can also you know, come up with really dynamic, uh, uh, non-human looking, uh, uh really unique creatures. Uh, yeah. that's, that's a big find. And, uh, you know, Lorenzo, you know, absolutely spectacular. He's able to do it all.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah, he is. Um, do you, I, I know when you, when you were sort of first kind of looking at comics as a career and when you were, uh, trying to, to get into this industry, I know you, you fancied yourself... Uh, a comic artist and that was kind of your goal initially do you still draw or pick up the pencil and, and doodle at all
2: uh, i mean not professionally but <laughs> oh, of uh, uh but sure i mean i i do i do i do sketching here and there and and i've done you know the odd like cover layout and things like that and every now and then if i'm trying to write like a complicated uh splash page or a spread or something um uh, you know I'll, I'll do a sketch if the it's a, a script isn't exactly explaining, you know, what mm-hmm. I'm picturing. Um, but, uh, it's really just like, uh, I mean, I've gotten worse over the years. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I, I do things from time to time, and I do feel like that helps my writing, and it help, and it's helped me in my career, uh, being able to visualize things to a certain extent. Yeah, but uh, uh, but yeah, I'm not going to be drawing any books anytime soon.
0: No, I mean, not even you know, like when you're like 80 years old, sitting pretty up in the mountains somewhere, retiring on that Walking Dead royalty money, you know, just like maybe maybe you're like, yeah, I I, I might draw a comic finally and and see see if I can try my hand at this. Don't think you'll ever do that?
2: No, cuz it's hard it's cuz it's hard work. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I know I know you once it, said it, that it, it's it, not only is it hard work. I talked to Rick Remender about this cuz Rick Remender is actually a very talented artist yeah. who for whatever reason doesn't draw comics anymore and mm-hmm. just writes and uh and, and and it's crazy. It's like it's it, I was upset when I realized I was never going to be good enough to actually draw comics, but <laughs> after a while I was like well, I'm never going to be able to, cause, and any artist will tell you this. Like the mm-hmm. things that are in your head never come out the way you want, and so yeah. like you're always like you know struggling to get better, and you're always chasing this you know infinite horizon to try and improve your art, mm-hmm. and uh, being able to write stories and and, and write things and then have uh, someone who's infinitely better than you visualize them uh it's a it's a fulfillment that uh that you never would achieve if you were drawing them yourself yeah you know it's like it's like oh my gosh that that exceeded my expectations <laughs> because i had this thing in my brain and i typed it all out and then and then this amazing artist came in and turned it into something beautiful. Uh, you know, I, I feel like that process is much more fun than drawing yourself. But
0: you absolutely. Know, maybe I, that's just me. <laughs> no, I mean, th- that's the experience I'm going through right now. I have two comics. One of them, I, I have an artist that's that's drawing and his stuff is gorgeous and amazing. And then the other I'm drawing myself. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, I wish I could <laughs> I wish I could do that thing that he does with framing and, and, you know, emotions and lighting and stuff, all that all that stuff that artists should be able to do.
2: Yeah, stop
0: drawing that book, man. I <laughs> I feel like it'll be decent enough at some point if I just spend spend enough time redoing it. Um, but I uh, I I know that you you've um, you, just, you said once, and I'm I'm sure this is probably still the case, but I'm curious. You, you've you've said before that every single comic book script you've ever written uh, has has been published, has been turned into something. Is that still the case, or have you written any scripts at this point that haven't gone anywhere?
2: Uh, uh, no, not yet. I mean, I've, I've obviously written scripts that haven't been published yet, but they're pretty much on the schedule as to when they will be published. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, I still don't have any, I still don't have anything laying around that I haven't, uh, you know, that I've abandoned. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, leave, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not leaving anything on the cutting room floor. <laughs> that makes sense.
0: Uh, do you, I mean, every time well, you have a new, a new project coming out, do you worry that this might finally be the one that that kind of like that misses or that just doesn't hit the right way oh of course
2: of course yeah i mean that's that 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 really never goes away i mean i don't think mm-hmm. i mean uh a, a failure won't affect me the way that a failure would have affected me early on in my career because you know i'm doing okay now yeah. so if anything I do is a massive failure, I'll just kinda go, Well, that didn't work and move on to the next thing. I'm very fortunate to be in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh but yeah, I mean I, I certainly don't look at everything I do as like a, a you know, a sure bet that's, you know, definitely gonna be a success. I mean, I'm oh. always sweating the details and doing anything I can possibly do to, you know, make sure that it, it lands at a at a pretty, you know, you know, firm position. Hmm. Uh, I, I think uh, all of the efforts that I've put into launching Oblivion Song are, are probably a pretty clear indicator of, as to uh, you know how how invested I am that these <laughs> things are doing well, and also how nervous I am that they might not. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, if if, if I was certain that Oblivion Song would have been a hit, like I never would have done half the stuff I did for that book.
0: <laughs> you know, you never would have been on the stage with with uh, Jason Mansukis. You just wouldn't have even talked to that guy if uh, if you'd known it'd be a surefire.
2: <laughs> well, that part's fun, but some of the other stuff, you yeah, know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have paid X amount of dollars to print up a trade paperback version of the first six issues and send it out to retailers for free. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I would have avoided that.
0: That makes sense. It's, it's. I mean, I, I can't even. I mean, it must get worse worrying about you know whether or not it's going to hit when you work so far ahead, like you guys tend to do at Skybound. Like you know, the as we're talking, the second issue, did the second issue just came out right, or is it just about to come out? Um, and you've already got the uh, first four issues the finished. The second
2: issue more. just came out, yeah.
0: Okay. Uh,
2: uh no, we've got the first 12, 12 issues finished. So, so for yeah. Writing and
3: uh, art? It's Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. And oh lettering God. and coloring. But, uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm also in my old age, uh, cause I'm about to turn 40 this year. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't like the deadline crunch either. I mean, it's, it's, it's nerve wracking. And so mm. anything I can do to push that as deep into a series as possible, uh, you know, I'm planning on doing now. So that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, any, any new, any new books I do, I'm going to try and get at least a year's worth done before anybody hears about them. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah. And so to a certain extent, like, you know, I guess I'm sure that I'm not going to have a book that sells so much. I won't be able to make it to issue 12, you know? Yeah, that's so, true. So there's, there's that. There's
0: a lot of comfort in that for uh, sure. Yeah. Um, where, where does most of your writing yeah. happen these days? You know, I mean, you, you seem to be busy kind of going all over the place, uh, with, with, you know, of course the, the many TV shows and movies that are in development, plus your comics and, and, you know, press tours, whatever, like where, where do you find yourself writing or do you just kind of have to like be able to write wherever you are, no matter what?
2: Well, I am able to write wherever I am, no matter what, which is, you know, good. Um, You know, I write in hotel rooms. I get a lot of writing done on planes. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've written on set in between takes before. I'll just pop my laptop out and I'll be right in front of the monitor and you know, actors will be acting and, you know, then they'll be oh uh, cut and then I'll be like, Okay, great, back to the script, you know, and tick 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 ticker. Tick. Um, but uh uh, you know, for the for the most part I have a, a nice quiet office that I that I get most of the writing done in. Yeah. But uh, you know, when I'm traveling I'm I'm always doing a little something here and there.
0: Are there are there any things that you have to like have to sort of set the mood for yourself, whether it be a cup of coffee or certain music or anything like that that you have to kinda of, like put on to to get started on your writing?
2: I have none of that. Wow! No, no creative (laughs) vices. I have no no rituals. I have no nothing. (laughs) You don't light some candles and
0: do a seance before you start?
2: No, no, none of (laughs) that. Although, you know, let's be honest, it might help. Uh, I do. I do have a a a blue Pentel uh, pencil, uh, mechanical pencil from Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like the mid '90s that my dad gave me when I was in seventh grade that I've plotted all of my comics with. (laughs) I, I I find comfort in the fact that I've got this old cool pencil that I've plotted all my comics with. <laughs> that it's the same pencil that I've worked with on everything with. That's uh, amazing. I do still do handwritten plots before I before I type my scripts up. Yeah. Uh, and so so that's cool. And if I ever lost that pencil, I'd be like, well, I guess I retire now. <laughs> uh, I'd probably be fine. But uh, uh, but that's that's and I just think that's neat. It's not like a vice that I have to have. Of course.
0: You know, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like a, a a token or something. Um do you right, right. Do, do you when you're writing out your plots, are you are you doing it just sort of like long form prose or is it kind of like a, a sort of beat by beat or like kind of a, a line breakdown? Um or is it all just kinda of like long form yeah, stream of it consciousness?
2: No, it's basically a beat by beat, like one one line or so on what happens on every page and, and most of the time it doesn't make any sense and so mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically just like a piece of paper that reminds me of the scenes I have planned, so uh, uh, you'll very often find on a Walking Dead plot that one Michonne scene, or you know, uh, uh, this is where this thing goes, and it's like, well, I don't know what this thing is, but (laughs) I know what this thing is, and it's basically written for me to, you know, or Michonne says that thing, or Rick does this, or, you know, like that that kind of thing. Uh, They're fairly vague, but um, it basically I'm very strict about like writing the page turns and uh, you know mm-hmm. making sure that I get the story paced to where it can you know end on the last page in a pretty good you know without things being truncated and so my plots are basically to make sure that I know exactly how much space each one of my scenes are going to take and, mm-hmm. and, and that the, the big events fall on even numbered pages and and all that kind of stuff. That's 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 what I'm working out before I get into actually doing
0: type. Yeah, and it, I mean it, it it seems to be very effective because I think, you know, one of one of the the sort of strong suits or the things that that stands out in your writing, especially in your comics writing is is your ability to sort of like to to keep, you know, that the the story engine churning and and I think like you you always kind of seem to to use subplots in a really efficient and effective way to to keep things moving and kind of like set things up for the next arc and the next arc and the next arc kind of you know in the same way that like paul levitts or even you know charles dickens would do is that a thing that you've always kind of had or is it a thing that you you sort of learned as you started creating comics
2: well i mean i'll I'll take that compliment and it's very flattering (laughs) and everything but usually that happens because i'm doing my plot and it's like okay this happens on page 16 and will lead to the end So that's my big moment here, Mm -hmm. and this—the rest of this story kind of peters out around like page 12. So I need something for 13, 14, and 15. What subplot can I pull in (laughs) to fill that space so that this issue works? Mm. Uh, I don't know. I'll have this guy do this, and I'll come up with what that's going to be later. You know, like (laughs) that doesn't always happen, but most of my best subplots, my favorite subplots, are like, I don't know, man, like maybe this refrigerator lands on a guy and you don't know why and let's <laughs> see where that refrigerator came from later. Like I'll figure that out at some other point. So, mm-hmm. uh, and to me, that's actually the most fun aspect of writing comics that you can just, you know, cause it, when you're writing television, you have to go like, well, yeah, I know it seems out of left field, but I'm telling you it's going to lead to this, 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 and this, and this, and this is going to happen. And yeah. the, the, we're going to come back to that. You have to have everything kind of like pitched out so that you can justify the the moment and Mm -hmm. I feel like that steals some of the spontaneity out of it so yeah so yeah
0: that's that's a that's a really good point do you you ever have like a maximum you know like if you're adding subplots and stuff do you ever get to a point where you're like okay like I can't have more than this many subplots in this issue or do you just kind of go whatever feels right
2: yeah it's definitely a whatever feels right situation I don't think I've ever I mean I kind of you kind of you have to keep track of them so that you're not forgetting them. Of course. But uh, I feel like as long as you're progressing them here and there, and you know roundabouts where they're leading,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and and you know you tie one off every now and then, I, I feel like you can have a, a, a good bit going. I've I've never been on a series where I've thought, oh, I've got too much going on here. I have to start, you know, limiting this. Yeah. So I, I'm sure I'll hit that point at some point on something, but of it course. hasn't happened yet. <laughs>
0: Do you do you have difficulty switching gears between, you know, like Oblivion Song, The Walking Dead, you know, an Outcast or even, you know, Invincible while you were still writing Invincible? Do you have difficulty kind of like getting into the right mindset for each script or do you have to kind of separate them out in any way?
2: It's not so much getting into the right mindset to be able to write those stories, mm-hmm. but reacclimating myself with the world is, is mm-hmm. somewhat of a process. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I I do another pass on my scripts before they're lettered. And so oftentimes I'll try to do that before I write an issue.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: so it's like on Walking Dead, I'm usually far enough ahead of schedule that we'll do those like two or three issues at a time.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: so, uh, uh, so that's really helpful. I'll, I'll go back and, you know, reread and read dialogue like two or three issues. And then I'll, I'll, I'll kind of get caught up, you know, to where I am on scripts and, I'll be like, okay, great. I know exactly what's going on in the world of The Walking Dead. I totally know all the things I was setting up, and now I'll dive back into writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I used to be able to do that fairly easily without having to do, you know, research and things like that. But uh, uh, now that I'm older, it's a little bit like, wait a minute, who was invincible? And, and what was <laughs> going on with him? And and why was this happening? Yeah, And that usually takes, you know, just, just a few hours or so just to get back into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because the way schedules go. Like every now and then, I'll go two months without writing something. Yeah. Um, so you know, because I'll get caught up on scripts and then I'll fall behind, and the artists start catching up on me, and it's like, oh gosh, I got to get back into this. Of course. Uh, and over the course of those two months, you know, you can forget things.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, do you uh, how many how many passes do you usually take on on an average comic script?
2: I, I choose not to answer this for fear it may incriminate. <laughs>
0: That makes sense. I always, I always find it's like there's that balance. Like
2: two, two, like two, or, two or three at most. I okay. mean, I'm not, I'm not. I hate. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's revise, revise, revise. I understand that, but yeah. in comics, you know, like I'm writing a script, the penciler's revising it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're coming in, we're changing things. I, I, I can, I, I can sometimes completely re dialogue an issue like after it's drawn, Yeah. Um, you know, if, if there are certain things I don't like. And I always tell myself in the back of my head, you know, like, don't, don't worry about like what you're doing, because once the art comes in, you can always fix it. And the artist is always going to make you look better anyway. So, yeah. uh, so that stuff, you know, reassures me and, you know, fights that like insecurity demon that's in everyone that, makes you want to rewrite things a thousand times because, you know, if you did that, you'd never get anything out. And mm-hmm. so uh, uh, I guess that's my process.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, I think that's part of the magic of comics. You know, it's it's a medium that inherently with how the production line is is run, it can't be revised to death the way that you do in TV and film where there's, you know, you know, a full color of the rainbow on revisions and, and, you know, every single person in the, in the sort of process has their own notes and stuff. I think that the magic of comics is that it does tend to, to be able to be a bit more sort of unfiltered. Um, and so, yeah, you, I think going, it's
2: also like a, it's also like a relay race, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I, I've got the baton, I'm getting it to a certain point. I have to hand it off to this person or the race doesn't work. Uh, uh, you know, and 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 I know that baton's going to come back to me at a certain point, and you know maybe I can run a little faster to make up time, or maybe the other guys run so fast I can run a little slow. I'm just exhausting the metaphor at this point, uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah,
3: yeah,
2: and 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 you can do a little bit of that in television. I mean, you can edit things into oblivion and do voiceover, and you know completely change how scenes work. I mean, everything's malleable to a certain extent.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, now I I. I'm I'm kind of curious with with the Walking Dead comic, I uh, the you know obviously with it being in black and white versus you know everything else that that you uh, write being in color. Is there anything that sort of like affects your writing process for that knowing that it's going to be written for black and white versus color?
2: Not necessarily. I mean, I don't pay attention to what hair color characters have <laughs> um, for that because that would be a wasted effort. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I honestly, I don't even take into consideration the, the, the fact that it's black and white when I'm writing it, it doesn't really come up. I mean, uh, I guess, you know you have to describe that something's motor oil or blood because they might look the same in the comic, but that's never really occurred. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, I, there has to be some kind of, there has to be some kind of uh, thing, but it, it doesn't, yeah. Uh, Nothing I, occurs really. to you. I can't really think of anything. <laughs> that makes sense. No. I'm
0: um, going to ask a couple of little light questions here and then uh, kind of wrap it up with, with uh, uh, a regular one. But uh, do you, do you still read comics every Wednesday? Are you still a Wednesday warrior?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, uh, I read some comics digitally, so mm-hmm. you know I'll pop on Comixology and snag comics on Wednesday. And then, you know, there are certain things that I want to go into the store for and you know have like a physical copy of. So I'll, I'll run into. The, I, I don't go to the store every week, but I, I'm in a comic book shop at least like four or five times a month. I just don't often go on Wednesdays.
0: Of course, is there one comic that you can think of above all uh, that that you're most excited to read every month?
2: Uh yeah I don't know i mean i uh, uh there's a lot of great image comics uh, it's it's hard thinking about just just one though mm-hmm. uh that changes you know like i I've been rereading east of West recently and so it's like that's a book I'm really excited to oh, like yeah. get back into Of course. And, uh uh, you know, reacclimating myself with a series because you know it's so complicated that you know sometimes you forget all the ins and outs of certain things.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but uh, uh, you know, I read you know I read The Fix, I read Saga, I read yeah. Killer Be Killed. Uh, you know, I read Black Science, I read Deadly Class, I read mm-hmm. uh, you know books. The you know, Head Lopper's great, uh, of course. Um, I mean, I mean my my main go to book for a while was uh, Rock Candy Mountain. Like I just oh, loved yeah. that book uh and then it and then it ended uh so that was kind of frustrating mm-hmm. but uh uh but now I don't know i mean it, I'm fortunate enough that it changes you yeah. know it, you know it's it's you know there's not like one single book that I'm always. Uh, just absolutely, uh, uh, enamored for it. Kind of shifts from month to month. Of course. I don't read a lot of Marvel or DC comics. Uh, uh, that's not because I hate corporate owned comics, although I do. <laughs> uh, uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated, like, like keeping track of certain things. Like, I'll pick yeah. up a book every now and then, and then, you know, invariably, like, uh, uh, invariably i don't know anyway eventually <laughs> uh at some point uh in an inevitable fashion uh you know some kind of element of the larger marvel or dc universe will creep in and i'm like i don't know what the hell this is mm. like i was reading Donnie cates's uh dr strange and that's i mean jesus christ the basset hound and <laughs> you know fantastic book and yeah. uh, uh gabriel walter art like absolutely spectacular and then there's this damnation event I gotta read, and I'm like, I don't wanna read all this. I don't know. I don't know, yeah, cool. here I don't you. know what's going on with all these different characters. <laughs> so,
0: um, so yeah. Now for Oblivion Song number four, uh, we we kind of start out learning a little bit more about the mysterious figure we uh, we see in the first couple of pages, uh, is named Keith. What's uh what can yeah. we just kind of expect from Keith going forward? What what kinda what kind of character are we in for here? What's he what's he doing with us?
2: Well, I mean, I'm hoping for a Boba Fett, but, you know, mm. we always aim for this guy. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. I mean, so he's going he, he really to die really quickly with the overall, oh, well, no, that's not that aspect of <laughs> Boba Fett, but, you know, just a cool looking character that everybody, uh, cool everybody character that the audience hopefully wants more of. But, yeah. uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's got a, uh, uh, he's got an interesting backstory that we'll get into that I think we're already hinting at a little bit, mm-hmm. but, uh, um. Uh, as we get deeper and deeper into his backstory, it's going to open up the mythology of the book in some really interesting ways. So he's a very pivotal character to the to the overall, you know, future of the series and everything. So, um, you know, seems kind of like a throwaway character that kind of pops up at, at first. But uh, Keith's going to be very important.
3: Awesome. Uh, and there's going to be
2: a lot of stuff around him that will... Uh, give us a better sense of you know what the overall oblivion song world uh, is mm-hmm. and, and where things may be going for the future so cool so yeah it's gonna
0: be cool cool just uh two quick questions to wrap up and then i will let you get on with your uh, with your sure. day um first uh,
2: yeah, I'll, give, I'll give you i'll give you a little bit extra time
0: so let's do it i appreciate it um what what is your favorite sound effect that you've written in oblivion song so far
2: I cannot remember one single sound <laughs> effect I've definitively written an Oblivion song. I'm, I, have, I, have I done a Brack of a Doom? I don't know. Uh, I do a lot of rams and rocks. I do a lot of fuck and I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I feel like I don't even really. When I read comics, I don't necessarily read the sound effects. Yeah, I'm the same like, way. You know, you know, but but I I visually see that they're there, and my brain recognizes them as sound. Yeah. And so I don't like comics. You know, I don't like it it worked in Watchmen, but, you know, modern writers where they're like, I like sound effectless comics and I'm not going to do sound effects because it's an antiquated blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Like, I I, I feel like visually you need them there or uh, the comics that don't have sound effects to me, like read like they're in slow motion and and, uh, it makes fight scenes look like dance scenes, like the impact doesn't really. Register without the sound effect. Um, and maybe that's just my dumb, you know, old man comic book <laughs> brain. And, you know, who knows? Maybe well, I'm like, the one that's wrong. Who doesn't but love that's, throwing that's in it? My thinking.
0: Who doesn't love throwing in, like, a, a clicisel cl- or something like that in the middle of something? You know, like, it's always fun to just have that crazy, weird noise that doesn't make sense. I yeah, think exactly, so.
3: Right? Exactly.
0: Um, and, now, and it looks cool. Yeah, of course. It, yeah, it does. It, it accentuates the movement. Um, and And the last question I wanted to ask, you know, obviously, you have. You've had an enormous amount of success from from you know, comparative to a kid from Kentucky who wanted to draw comics. Uh, it's it's definitely got to such this this huge level, and there's so many moving parts around you and, and around your creations. How do you stay sort of like grounded in all that chaos? I mean, you're a guy who's still you know you're 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 wearing clothes from Target. Your your family is still together, which is these days very uncommon. You know, you have a, a wife and kids who you know seemingly everything's great. Like. How, how have you managed to keep your life seemingly so ordinary despite all of these crazy things going on around you
2: uh it, it's important to have uh family and friends around me who couldn't give two shits about me or what i do <laughs> so you know like like you know my my wife doesn't care that all this stuff is going on i mean we're all we're both very happy about how it's affected our lives and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but um uh, you know like i could go to a convention and it's like oh my gosh can i have your autograph i love your work and i go home and they're like yeah you know i'm glad you were gone for a while take the trash out. <laughs> uh so um uh, so yeah and 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 i have a, a very good support group and the friends that i have around me that you know like they don't you know, I don't have anyone that, you know, is like, oh well that's, oh congratulations on that book coming out, you know, they're just like, Yeah, let's go see a movie or or whatever. Like nobody really cares. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, it's it's all everything that I've done is 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 fleeting and valueless and uh, <laughs> doesn't change my life in any kind of like substantial real way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I'm not special, I'm lucky, uh, you know, and this is all stuff that I'm like you know, very much, uh, uh, reminding myself and aware of it all times. And so, yeah. um, so yeah, you know, you can't, uh, you can't believe your own hype. If you <laughs> I see people sometimes in this industry that are mm-hmm. believing their own hype and it's like, oh dude, no, that's not cool. Yeah. Uh, uh cause you know, the it's not real and, it's cert- and, and, and eventually you're going to realize that and you're going to be real upset. So yeah. you might as well, uh, uh, you know, figure that out from the get go.
0: I, I tell you, man, I mean, I, I, I respect your work a lot. And, and obviously, I'm a huge fan. But like there there is uh, very little that I respect more than than somebody who can who can maintain that. And I like sincerely, I seeing just, you know, when, when I met you a few weeks ago, like seeing how you and your family sort of interacted there and, and how you present yourself and talk to your fans and stuff. I mean, it's it's legitimately, I think it's one of the most impressive things I've seen from from anybody I've met in this industry. And, and uh, yeah, just want to say like, really, that's that's awesome.
2: Oh well, thank you very much. I mean, yeah, no, I mean it's it's great when you get credit. You get credit like that for things that you're just supposed to do. You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's sad that it's uh, not be you know it's not the norm uh, for for people to maintain that. But um, anyway, yeah, sure. I, uh, thanks sure. for your time, Robert. Seriously, I, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. I could ask you questions all day, but obviously, I will not. And that Robert Kirkman, he sure knows how to tell us stuff, right? He had so much to say of all those things. Oh, man, he was really talking. Uh, well, <laughs> you know who else is really good at talking? Oh, who? Uh, it's both of us. Both oh. of us are pretty decent at it. I guess we, we've known to yak about comics uh, for... We yak a little bit, yeah. We, for we a were a couple of yakkers. Period of time, yeah. A couple of yakety yak yak yakkers like the Beach yak. Boys. is it the Beach Boys that have that yakety-yak song? don't come back. I don't know which, who's that, who does that. I don't know who that does it. If, if anyone knows, uh, email um, <laughs> letters at tmbcworkshop.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pertinent information we require. Yeah, it's very urgent. Uh, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy these ads. Ken, do you ever read magazines? Nope. Would you read a magazine if it didn't involve any paper at all? I know you're a big environmentalist. Now I'm sold. Boom. Easy. The greatest news in the world is about to be delivered right to your face hole, Kent, because this magazine that I'm about to tell you about, no trees were harmed in the making. That's, that's right. All I, those I happy love trees. trees. All those happy trees still standing because Panel by Panel is a digital exclusive magazine. What's Panel by Panel? Oh, <laughs> What's panel by panel? He asks. Come on, listeners. This chump over here. Panel by panel is a uh, monthly magazine all about the craft of comics. This is a magazine filled with insight from professionals in the comics medium. We've you've got people like Kieran Gillen in there all the time. You got you got people like Denise Camp in there all the time. You got all sorts of writers and artists talking about the medium they love, and that is comics. The uh, editor-in-chief of this wonderful comics magazine is Mr. Hassan Otsman El-Howe. You may know him from the YouTube channel Strip Panel Naked, where each week he dissects comics and and analyzes all their many benefits. Panel by Panel is just his latest project. I happen to be a contributor. And Panel by Panel is the, the vessel through which this show is even existing, Kent. It sounds like a magazine that I would love to read. If you want to know anything about comics... I do. You gotta go to PanelXPanel.com right now. I'm going. Kent. Jason. I hear you got a comic. I do. My name's Kent Heidelman,
1: and I've got a free comic for you to read. Free? Yeah, it's absolutely free. It's online. <laughs> it's called Scariest Scream Screamforth. Am I going to be scared? Probably. Damn it. Well, maybe not. But it's great. Uh, kind of an all-ages comic.
0: Hell yeah. Kind of awesome. I am one of all ages. You are. I then you're going to love Scariest in Screamforth. Scariest in Screamforth. It's a story uh-huh. about three kid monsters. <laughs> what? Yeah. Normally the kids are running away from the monsters. Well, now they are. But they are also themselves monsters. What? It's yes. like everyone's a monster.
1: It is a whole town of monsters. And the town is called <gasps> Screamforth. Now the title makes sense. That's right. So if you go to scariestinscreamforth.com,
0: you can read my free comic for free. Dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my car off a cliff and go read that right now. Great. Hey Kent. Jason. I love to be patronized.
1: Then boy, are you lucky. Am Cause, I? Because we've got something coming right for you. What? It is the Patreon for a place called comic book workshop.
0: That's where we are right now! You're there! I'm already there! Kent. So, Jason. There are so many great benefits to becoming a patron of Comic Book Workshop. The list goes on forever. So many specific benefits. You are not going
1: to believe it. All of those benefits. Kent,
0: you should list out every one of those benefits. I will, Right now. as soon
1: as you go to our Patreon, and you will see...
0: All of those specific listings, one after the other. Man, look at all these specifics! I'm scrolling on it right now, Kent. And look they at that first look, one. Look, that first one's amazing, and that second one whoo, oh, might even be even I better. Can't even resist. And the very bottom one—that that's that's the real winner. What a great way to support this podcast! It really is. You know, when there's a little little raft of a podcast out in the middle of the great blue sea, sometimes all it needs is just a little wind in the sails. So if you really do enjoy this podcast, sales, then maybe you should go check out Comic Book Workshop Patreon. Yeah, I think the username is tmbc workshop. Probably That's the one. That's yeah. where how you find it. You can find it just like that, just like that. And if you want to support the show, check it out there, and it will have all those specifics that we were talking about, that we already know. Now you know. Now you know, because it's the ads. were some products oh man sponsors. all those things you should buy all those things buy it all buy the house buy the lodge sell the house take a mortgage leave your wife what <laughs> oh my god Kent! How, why would you suggest something so terrible <laughs> i've got a horrendous <laughs> sense <of> humor apparently <laughs> well kent you know oh, jason you know what it's time for right now it's time for it's time for the creative up. we got to keep each other honest kent we got to make sure we're doing our work all right, Jason. So what have you been working on this week? Uh, this week I've uh, been doing layouts for my comic Beehive. Um, I've got the first issue fully scripted, the second two issues plotted out. Um, and so now I'm working on the layouts for the art, which I will be doing myself. Uh, the plan is to take the layouts that I'm doing in my small little sketchbook, scan them into my computer, um, and then from there I'll be doing uh, full finished inks. You know, Basically I'll be blowing them up and doing full finished inks, um, on my computer, on eleven by seventeen uh, boards in Photoshop, or maybe Manga Studio. Haven't decided yet, but that's a, that's a future me problem. Um, yeah, this week I've I've just been working on those layouts and uh, also writing the uh, Robert Kirkman article for panel by panel, which uh, you can now see, and you'll also hear the interview uh, that that article was written from later in the show. What Ooh, about you, Kent? Little, little Kirkman coming at us. L- little little Kirkie. Yeah. Little Kirkie poo. <laughs> that's, a, that's what all his friends call him. That's what he—he he actually made me call him that during the interviews. Like, I, I was like, "Hey, Robert." He's like, "I—I I, I prefer it if you call me Kirky Poo." Actually, thank you. Please, um, uh, it's—it's Kirky Poo to my friends. <laughs> this is such a weird episode.
2: When yeah, we're is. going in hot. Okay, we're coming uh,
1: hot. So, for for my uh, creative catch up uh, for this last week, I redid the logo for my comic Scream Screamforth. Did you now? I did a new. I did a new logo. Look at and you! It was pretty, pretty swell. Uh, I'm not going to say also, I had a hand
0: in suggesting that or anything, but uh. <laughs> that was
1: entirely your suggestion. You got under my skin, and I decided to have a go at it. And
0: I agree; it's a better, a better logo now. Sometimes your friends uh, are your best editors. People take learn lesson number one in this episode. <laughs> is this the how we're
1: starting out? Is you, all of your friends, every single one of them, is every your, your them. best editor? Listen to everything you learn, your, learn all to your friends say.
0: Learn. Learn which ones you actually want to listen to. Every time you get criticism, it's always right. Whatever everyone else okay. says is absolutely what you need to listen to hundred percent of the time. I'm just kidding. Don't follow that advice. You'll 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 be trapped in a, a cycle of self hate. <laughs>
1: uh, so yes, I did the I redid the logo. The first logo I thought was good, but uh, someone disagreed with me on that. He is not on this <laughs> podcast and will rename unnamed. And, and then uh, so I redid that, and then I've worked on uh outlining my i do i I do my scripting for myself a little bit differently i don't write a script i tried i tried i tried and i failed many times blasphemy and so i do it a little bit differently i don't want to do it that way but it seems to be the only way that actually gets me to the finish line so far and that is me writing a rough outline and then going to uh, doing layouts from that outline and writing the script on the page as
0: i'm going Fuck yeah! So, I think so I can't it's remember a little bit different way. I can't remember which writer artist I talked to that has the same approach. It was either Andrew McLean or uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, but I know one of them does kind of that same way. So there's you know there, there's already examples you can use to be like, well, he does it. There you go. I, I'm not really good at finding those examples.
1: It was just the best one that hey man. it worked for me. Trial. The only error. thing that it, yes, exactly. It's it and I if someone had told me to go do that method, I would not have
0: uh agreed with them
1: absolutely i but neither, i did it and I, it was me
0: failing a bunch that brought me to that
1: conclusion yeah and so. I, i'm
0: the exact opposite man i like because i think it's because my brain is writer brain first I uh, i have to have a full script for me to illustrate um i just i i would have no idea what to do with a, a page if i was trying to lay out a, a, a page and i didn't have like a a number of panels that i was going for i don't know how to lay out a page that way you, you people are crazy
1: yeah, uh, I think this is exactly a perfect place to segue into today's topic because oh, yeah. we're already halfway into it, which is
0: uh, how to start your first comic. Boom! There's, there's, Boom. there's all this all this road ahead of you. You've got a you've got a blank page staring you in the eye, and you're wondering what 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 can I do? Jason can't help me. I'm just a <laughs> I'm just a little a little baby looking for a looking for a branch to grab onto to climb up onto the the tree of comic book creation. This is uh,
1: obviously what every listener's
0: inner monologue sounds like. Yeah, I obviously. mean I was I was pulling that directly from their brain. Um Exactly. Yeah, so Kent, you are more equipped to uh help with this than I am. I've written a lot of scripts, but right now I am making the first comic fully that I've ever made. Um You actually have a full issue of a comic available. It's it's, you know, com Plug um You've Thank you. you've done it all the way through. Um, not only that, but I've I've also seen you know the amount of uh, stuff that you'd worked on before that and since then. Um, you have a good amount of experience, and I think a lot of this, especially when you start out, you know, the biggest things that you learn are not necessarily things that you did, uh, but sometimes they're also things that you wish you'd done. Um, so, I mean the the first thing I wanted to ask you is, uh, what did you find out of everything that you did for that first issue of of Scariest and Screamforth? What did you find was the most time-consuming part of that process for you?
1: Yeah, it's uh it's really hard doing that first comic because uh, you have no experience to rely on just the the thoughts and ideas of others. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they work for you, sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. And you don't know until you're actually in there doing it, which I think is definitely be very forgiving of yourself uh when you're starting out. Uh we were saying what was the thing that took the most time? It was it wasn't the scripting. And these terms can change depending on who's telling them or saying them. But uh, to me, scripting is a term I'd use for actually having like a black and white, like looking like almost like a script for a movie Mm -hmm. would be kind of the way I define as scripting. Yeah. A full script with panel breakdowns and dialogue and all that stuff. Exactly. And not doing that because that, I mean, you could argue that that was the longest thing uh, for me, because I didn't end up doing it. It's, that's how long it was taking me. It was taking me so long mm-hmm. that I gave up on it. And really it was... So it's scripting and uh, layouts. Layouts would be a term that I use for basically doing really, really quick, rough drawings mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on what they would look like broken down on a page. So that's panel one. That's panel two. There's panel one of... Excuse me, Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man... Uh, looking over the edge of a building. Panel 2 is the panel next to it, and it's him jumping off the building. Panel 3 below it is uh, him shooting a web, and panel the, there's a big panel that the bottom panel 4 is him swinging across the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so doing the layouts of that and deciding how to interpret the script into layouts. If I'm doing... Either if I'm working by myself or I'm working with another creator, which I've done both. Uh, if I'm working with a creator, laying out a script... For me, is the long part. Mm-hmm. Um, if they
0: haven't done it themselves in their script, it takes me forever. Oh, you're talking to about if that. they if they're doing like a like a, a basically screenplay format where it's just dialogue and actions, but there's no like panel one, panel two, panel three. Like there's exactly. no panel breakdown. And that's definitely
1: something. Yeah, exactly. And that's something we'll we should get into more on another episode. But basically, doing either doing scripting or doing doing scripting or doing layouts would be the longest part of me working. So it's not the and as an artist, it's not the drawing. It's not penciling. It's not inking. Uh, it's not coloring. It's not lettering. It is layouts. Is the longest part for me because that's you doing the using the most of your brain mm-hmm. and scripting. You're writing it. Same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you're using the most part of your brain. Is that with drawing? Hopefully, you've set it up so that you're you've you don't have to think that much. You're just executing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you still have to think. Duh. But I mean, you're just. I can I can listen to a podcast while I'm drawing. I yeah. can't listen to a podcast while I'm doing layouts. It's not sense. possible for yeah. me. For me. Um, but yeah, those are the two of the most time consuming parts.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that's, you know, uh to to compare it to a writing process, you know, like for me, I'm kind of the same way with, with um you know, first draft versus second draft, right? When I am taking a blank page and, you know, and writing stuff into that, that is the Absolutely the most time consuming process, and that's the one that makes you second guess yourself the most and, and have the hardest time, you know, knowing which direction you're going. Which also, you know, outlining definitely helps with that. Um, so you know, but ask, then when do, do an outline before you start scripting? Yes. Absolutely. I I've tried As a writer. As a writer. Yeah, yeah I've I've tried to uh just write a script you know like do the stephen king approach of just like ah let me just kind of start writing and see where i go and i kind of have some rough areas of where i want to end up but you know we'll see what happens along the way i've tried that it doesn't work for me um my process me either unfortunately I, i'm not a different opinion on that it's i need to have some sort of guide laid out first yeah and so i i have my process i actually kind of picked up from um i know a lot of writers uh use this process but the two that that are most prominent in my mind are brian k vaughn and coincidentally robert kirkman um where i will basically just i I have a, a notebook um that i found from staples that has exactly 22 lines on it and each line i use to basically describe uh each page in the comic i typically write in 22 page format um and so that that works great for me um and so i'll just number each of the pages i put a star next to the right hand pages so i know which page there needs to be a page turn on um and i outline that way long form and then i will basically tra- you know i will transfer that outline into my word document um so that that way when i start actually scripting there's not a full blank page you know that i at least have my sort of page by page beats um and that's that's kind of how i start just because i find anything that i can do to to a give myself more of a roadmap and b not stare at a blank page um is is helpful for me um But, yeah, anyway, I I think that, that you know... that my page is really hard
1: sometimes. You just got to, like, just barrel through it. Write something really bad and then get past it. So you can go back and improve it. Yeah. And try and, instead of doing, like, straight to, like, cutting into marble and mm -hmm. making it perfect the first time, revise and revise and revise. Good writing is editing.
0: Yeah, and I I think the same can be said about layouts and thumbnails. It's like, you know, just... Absolutely. Do whatever the first thing that comes into your mind is for your first couple, you know, like for your first thumbnails, and then when you go back to look at them, be like, "Oh yeah, that layout sucks. Let me do it this way." You're. It's a lot easy. It's a lot easier to see when something is wrong and how to fix it than it is to see to 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 formulate what the right way to do something is out of you know thin air on the first shot. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um,
1: yeah, I've, I change um, when I do my outline and I have or my my layouts. Where I've done all these little thumbnail drawings of what the page should look like, and then when I go to actually draw the page, I rearrange them all the time yeah it's it's never perfect it's most of the time like you know eighty percent of the time it's pretty good, yeah, but that means twenty percent of the time every five pages needs to be you know redone um, yeah that's not a metric you need to hold yourself to, but you, you do a lot of revision as you're going along and that revision is typically to make it better. Yeah. So if
0: it's being revised, that usually means it's becoming better. What's yeah. something else you learned from this experience that, that you're kind of taking with you on your next on your next comics? What, what would you, if you were to go back in time and give yourself advice, you know, what, what yeah. types of things would you tell yourself?
1: Uh, I would say co-creating um, because I did it all myself. That means I need to do all the work, everything. I'm responsible for everything and I get the benefit of that now that it's done and maybe that is worth it but in the future after I'm done with scary and Screamforth um, I'm going to be taking a break from doing solo projects mm-hmm. because it's so much work to do all these different jobs you can have on a comics job you can have five people doing creative work on it you can have a writer a penciler an inker a colorist and a letterer and that's not talking about editors or anyone else who yeah. covers and stuff that's that's a big team.
0: Yeah, and now I and That's pretty standard. and uh, I, I will say on creator owned comics that is much less the standard especially for people who are self-publishing or starting out, you know, the the thing that oftentimes people have to accept unless they have, you know, friends conveniently that do some of those things is that oftentimes you do kind of have to do all the work yourself or a large portion of it, you know, like you won't be able to hire a letterer, um, you know, or sometimes you won't be able to hire like a colorist or, or an an inker, especially that's usually the first thing to go in the process is that you'll have to accept. You're just inking yourself, um, you know, and, and, and further on down the line. Um, But yeah, sorry, continue. I just, I I wanted to note that. No, it's, it's a, it's a good point.
1: Uh, So for me, if I could go back in time, I would say I would stress to myself uh, to find, other creators that complement my skill set. So my best skills are penciling and inking. Sometimes it's called a line artist, and I'm a really good line artist. And I can I'm de- I'm decent at um, editing script, not editing scripts, but kind of like pointing stuff out, trying to make stuff stronger, that kind of thing. Like any good co-creator, I can you know give feedback. I'm not just a robot that draws yeah. your script. I can give I can point out stuff that you can make even better, mm-hmm. and maybe some weak points, some potholes versus plot holes kind of thing stuff that's like that doesn't really make sense but it doesn't hurt anything mm-hmm. I, i'm good at pointing that stuff out but finding uh i because i'm a good line artist i'm a decent colorist it's not my best skill set but um i work well with a writer this is just me particularly i work well with a writer that's also a colorist mm. um at least i would like to work with them because that means that neither of us is a paid for colorist and or any of the other jobs and yeah. they're doing other work and they can also have creative input on the art stuff. Yeah. And so really, they can also have a hand on um they understand a little bit more on how art comes mm-hmm. to life. That's just me though. That's this is a lot of I'm skipping the whole process and st- going straight to the end of my results and my research
0: yeah. kind of thing. And that and that's you know and that's a good thing to point out is if you can it's always going to be helpful to have friends who also want to do this, you know, and you want to make sure that, that you're finding people whose whose drive and passion is, is equal to yours because you don't want to have to, you don't want to have to, there are situations where you'll try and have a collaborator and then you'll sort of be be beholden to their, their schedule. And maybe they are not going to be working, you know, as fast as, as they could or, or working as, as diligently as, as you are. Um, and so it's you difficult. know, I, it's very difficult. Yeah, That's it's, asking the moon actually of people, but you you have to look for it. Yeah, I think it's it's always good to look for it. Um, you know, but but there are plenty of cases of of people who who do their you know their first comic or their first few comics all on their own. You know, I mean, you look at a guy like Jonathan Hickman, uh, Brian Wood. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of people out there. Uh, you know, who who did it themselves, and there's also plenty of people who didn't. You know, Robert Kirkman and Tony Moore are an example where. You know, they made their first comic, you know, them combined, and they made it black and white because they couldn't afford to print it in color.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah. So try to alleviate uh, as much workload on yourself as you can, because it will keep you. I am slower Mm -hmm. doing all the things on my comic because I have to relearn the tools every time I'm using them yeah. which is uh, aggravating even though like I'm good at them I'm not great and I'm not specialized because mm-hmm. I have to do everything I'm relearning it every time and I'm just getting frustrated with how much time it's taking to relearn something that I should just be able to go and execute mm-hmm. and even though it's and it's taking me a while so in the future I'm looking forward to just doing either co-creator projects where whether it's creative owned mm-hmm. or working at a publisher and I'm part of a, a larger team than just two people yeah, Either I, way, I'd want to be more of a cog in a machine. Yeah, and I think both uh, are important.
0: And it's also, I think, important to note that some people uh, will find the exact opposite of what Kent finds. I think, you know, Ed Pisker is somebody exactly, I've, talked to. To yeah. is I, I've talked to. that's good to point out. Ed Pisker is someone I've talked to who, you know, told me he is 100% better at his job when he is doing it all. Um, you know, and I yeah. think the the quote for the article that I, that I wrote in panel by panel for him, the the, the headlining quote was, I want to do it all. Yeah. Um, you know, there are people who, if they can have creative control over everything, uh, function better. But then there, are, you know, there are other people too, like like yourself. You want to focus on that part of it that you enjoy the most. Um, so find yeah, out, exactly. find out what works for you, and try to tailor tailor your process to to that. You know, if if you feel like you work better as a cog in a machine, and, and you know, as sort of the artist who executes an, in a bigger picture, or a co creator, or if you think you work better completely on your own, you know, find that out um but can't find else, it out by doing it
1: that's the best way to find out yeah you, is have, you have to do experience it. it and be be aware that it's okay to change
0: yeah um so can you released scariest and Screenforth through webtoon uh what yes. was what was the the reason that you decided to, to release it through webtoon and do you think you would do it again or would you recommend it to other people or do you think you might explore other avenues uh, that is a, is a great question, and it's actually one that I was going to bring up myself for this. Right.
1: Uh, I would absolutely do it again. That's one of the few things that I'm glad I did and still continuing glad, uh, to be glad that I did that. Uh, the reason that I released it for free is it's my first comic, and I have said for years that I want to do comics and that everyone that knows me knows that I love to draw, but it was a chance to show... All my friends and family, and then even more so, everyone out on the internet and the world at large uh, could have a chance to see it. And if I, because it was my first comic, I didn't want to worry about people not reading my work because of a paywall. I'm Mm. not a name, I'm not famous. So I don't have any past work to show people as an example for the mm-hmm. reason to be buying into future work. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm the guy from this, or I'm the guy from that, or I did this, or I did that. I don't have any of that, and so I just wanted a benchmark of if you're reading my comic, you if you want to read my comic, you don't have a reason not to. That mm-hmm. it's it's besides the fact that it's uh, in digital, if you prefer print, but it really narrows the field of getting people to you know get in on it and so i i wanted uh to be able in the future for future projects whether i'm you know doing a free model or not mm-hmm. um i wanted you to be able to read my work and then go say i'm working on my next project and you're checking it out and i'm like and you're like yeah, i don't know if i should read this or whatever i'm like well if you i have a free comic online scary screen forth mm-hmm. you can go read it and see if you like it and if you like it so much you want to pay for this one it's it was advertising it's also a way for me to advertising to readers that want to buy my future work and advertising to editors and publishers that maybe want to pay me to come on and do writing for them yeah. I, i'm good at writing i'm just a little slow at it at the moment mm-hmm. uh, because it's not my focus i'm better at art but if i didn't have to worry about the art i could focus a lot And that's i'm good at each individual job it's just when you connect them together and i'm in charge of the entire project that i personally start slowing down when you do excuse me i start slowing down in large ways when i have to do the entire thing but if i can section it off, I'm a hell of a lot faster. Yeah. That's just my personal uh, take on that. But I wanted to be able to show publishers, hey, I did this. So do you Mm -hmm. have an opening for an inker? Do you have an opening for a letterer? Do you have an opening for a colorist? I can do those things. I am capable of things because I've done classes. I've personally done it. I've spent the time on it. And I can show them and there's no reason for them to not see it. And I can send links out to everyone. It's great. And I would recommend that for a lot of new readers, whatever your reasoning is, if you can do... and That's another thing I want to talk about. Yeah, for any creators... I think you should put your first one out for free if you're a no-name. Uh, that's yeah. just my opinion. Uh, and it should be a short thing. It shouldn't be, I and that kind of connects into my other half of when it comes to the free thing, I think it should be a short thing. It should be six to 20 pages, or yeah. six to 24 pages. Something there where it's short that people can get their, sink their teeth into a story, but you're not spending your entire life making it your magnum opus. Make mm-hmm. it a one-shot,
0: uh, yeah. a short one-shot for people to read and see if they like your your stories, yeah. And the nice thing is too, you know, with webtoon, it is a very flexible format. Um, if you go and look at like Sanford Green's uh, The One Thousand, um, which is like a very high end full production uh, that he did there, but you know, it's it, webtoon is an infinite canvas, and so it can be a full like s- you know long scrolling page. You can do it in multiple pages as you would a regular comic. You know, your eleven by seventeen type pages. Um, you know, and then go on later to sort of reprint it, um, you know, and actually do it in a print format rather on like, it's, it's very flexible. And I think that it is a, a medium that is ripe for sort of short, um, kind of like the future sh- shock stories that you would find in 2000 AD, uh, the stuff that Alan Moore and Grant Morrison and all those, you know, British writers kind of started out on. Um, that would be, a, it's a great way to kind of showcase your talents in a short form story. Um, in very kind of digestible bites so that, yeah, you're not spending tons of time on it. You're not trying to make it your magnum opus. You're just trying to get your work out there um, so that you can show, yeah, editors, publishers, collaborators, you know, like people that you want to work with or people that you want to see your stuff, getting it out there through something like Webtoon or, or there are a lot of other web comic sites, but that's the best way now. And you don't have to worry about print costs. You just have to worry about the time that it's going to take you Uh, to finish it which is even more reason to do it short form
1: and you can immediately exactly you know piggybacking off what you just said you can immediately post it and you can immediately start getting feedback on people liking it or not and obviously if you're wanting to make your first comic it's not your only comic it's your first comic you want to make more so whether it's making more for yourself or you know only self-publishing i think it i think putting it online for free
0: works for Almost anybody. Yeah, I think I think the first for one for that first comic. Yeah, the first one should almost always be free, unless it's in print. If it's in print, you know, you've got to recoup your costs and and I understand that. You know, if you're taking it to conventions and stuff, um, but it is it's very. I think it's it's a great way to get people to check out your work if your first one's free.
1: Yeah, if you're um, indie, if you're trying to go mainstream, I just don't see, and I get it. Like you want to be able to make money off of it, mm-hmm. but. I don't know if that's necessarily be the goal of the very very first issue because you should if you can make one you can make two. Yep. Kind of thing. And I don't think that you're necessarily going to start raking in money if it's your very first issue.
0: Yeah, and if you start um, getting if you start getting response to your comic on on Webtoon for example, they're great about like linking to your Patreon or your website or whatever and so if you wanted to start monetizing it because it's, you know, it's getting a lot of, you know, a lot of following and stuff like that, then then that's something that's easy to plug in there
1: yeah exactly and uh something i want to talk about for people that like want to tell that very large all-encompassing huge epic story mm-hmm. i think the one shot can still work really well with that whether you do it or not i think a one shot works because i have an example here uh super famous manga naruto mm-hmm. is actually based on a one shot yeah he didn't he didn't use uh, that one shot as issue one for Naruto, but it's heavily inspired. Naruto's heavily inspired and drawn out of the his a uh, one shot that he did separately. Yeah, and uh, I'll, before
0: I'll, I'll use another example, actually from from the the prose format. Uh, Ender's Game is based on a, a short story um, that was like, I don't know that yeah. His I think it was like a ten pager or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, and there's there's and tons so of examples. We,
1: yeah, and it's a way for you, if you want to improve on the idea, you can. You can If you're you're know, taking it from yourself and you're one of the only creators or one of two co-creators and the other person's permission, then you can mine yourself for your own ideas all day long and you're not breaking any uh, licenses or copyrights. So you're awesome. That's great. Uh, and you can change and improve on it. Or if it was perfect out the first gate, then continue with the story. Add more to it or go in a different direction. So either way... If people are like, wow, this is amazing. I want to see issue two of this story, then start writing issue two. Yeah. But issue one, just get it done with and maybe leave it on like a, a closed but open note. I know that's con- like contradictory, but uh, I think that's the best way to do it. That way, if people are immediately interested in that particular piece, then they have the option. But maybe there's an editor that's like, I love this. Do you have any other ideas? That mm-hmm. kind of means they're really interested in your work, but they don't necessarily want this particular idea. Yeah, and that, happens, so that, that does have a lot. yourself. Um, yeah exactly or if it's like hey i i love your work would you mind writing and i'm just gonna use spider-man again but do you mind writing on spider-man mm-hmm. well that's not the one shot and you can't keep moving with that maybe you have to you know go do the penciling on spider-man or something right. but it gives you a lot of flexibility and a lot of options
0: without tying yourself down to any one of them before you make before you come to that bridge yeah um and i i think uh yeah i think i think really you know the the important thing as we're you know wrapping up this segment um the important thing for getting started on your first comic is really you just have to get started. You know, don't don't find these excuses like, "Oh, I don't have, you know, I don't have the tools or I don't have, you know, Photoshop or I don't have, you know, Manga Studio or I don't have the right pencils or anything like that." You can make it work. People plenty of people have made it work with whatever tools they have available to them. The biggest thing when you're using excuses like that, like I don't have the right pencils or the right paper or whatever, the excuse is really that you're you're just not ready. For the work you know because you can make comics on whatever with whatever um yeah i uh, my first
1: comic it's not published but i yet i'm still gonna i'm still working on it i'm going back and revising it but uh it's a comic that i co-created with a buddy of mine and the first 24 pages are on comic backer board which is like the same the boards you would put in a single issue uh, it's a whiteboard. I just use those. they Are already fairly formatted. Oh, you're comics, talking. So. You're talking
0: like the the backboard that like when you buy a comic at the store, the little cardboard thing that uh, comes behind the comic to keep it stiff. Exactly, and that was uh-huh. two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago
1: that I was maybe even less than that that I was drawing on that, and I was doing the pencils on there, and then I inked
0: over it and erased the pencils. I was just yeah. desperate to make comics. And you can always have, if you if that's you, a way. Yeah, if you draw if you draw stuff on like regular you know, paper, like even fucking lined paper and stuff like that, you can always just scan it into the computer later on. You know, if you don't have the right computer right now, if you don't have those tools right now, you can always attack those pages in whatever you have available to you, scan it in later, and then just, you know, basically ink yourself over those lines and use that as your sort of underdrawing. Uh, You know, there's, there's ways to get it done. And so don't let, you know, anything like, you know, financial whatever or the tools that you have or anything, don't let that limit you because... Really, at the end of the day, it's it's your own it's your own fear that's limiting you. You're afraid you're not going to do well, and and that's a dumb reason not to get your story out there.
1: Yeah, it's hard though. It's hard to get over that fear. That's Absolutely, really really right. difficult. Uh, actually, another thing, I, it's stupid. I wanted to point out though, but you mentioned the lined paper. I know that there was one comic that is actually made or not, but it's printed from the lined paper that mm-hmm. it was drawn on. I don't know if you remember the name of it, but it's you can still. She even the, I think it was a. a a uh, female creator, she used a uh, lined paper as her board, as mm-hmm. her, like, background. Mm-hmm. And it's still, like, anything is possible with comics. You can, there's no limitations. It's just you that's uh, limiting yeah. uh, limit, limiting yourself. And that's it's super difficult, though, to get over. It's a fear that I address every day. Mm-hmm. And it's really
0: hard. You just yeah. kind of have to ignore that. Voice that makes your work better, that yeah. criticism and in it, your voice. Yeah, and if you if you have to tell yourself yeah. that it's just gonna suck that you're doing a shitty comic, then then even better. And and honestly, you know, the shorter it is, the easier it'll be to get over that because it's like, well, I only have to do four pages of this, you know, rather than I got to yeah. do a hundred. That's pages. a good point. Um, yeah, instead of trying to go big, just
1: try to complete a little bit and then be done with it. And then if you don't like it, just move on. And it's good practice. You're gonna get better by doing it. It's so it's it's a silly. Unfortunately, it's pretty much what it gets down to. Is just if you're gonna. How to do it is just just to do it.
0: Yeah, and my, you know, a good example of this as we're wrapping up on this segment, um, my buddy Tony Fabro uh, does a, a comic on Instagram called Three Panel Crimes, where it literally is just three panels uh, telling a little, you know, a, a story of a, a crime or or you know, a, um, an act like that in three panels telling a, a full story. And I mean, that's great. That's a great exercise of like, yeah, it's just you just have to write three panels, you know, you just have to draw three panels, um, and it really. I think it's 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 a good exercise in doing um, in in just getting it out and not worrying about that, and also having such a short amount that it's like the amount of time that it will take you to get that out there and to get that finished is is much shorter. Um, so yeah, uh, my last comment on this is going to be um, Scary screen
1: scream forth." I did it uh, for an event called Twenty Four Hour Comic Book Day, mm. and it's an event where you go in. To maybe it's comic shop, or you can even do it at home. It doesn't really matter. It's not there's no prize. It's just a challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's to do 24 pages in 24 hours. I did not quote unquote succeed at it, but I got 18 pages done. I did not have them the day before, and you're supposed to go in without knowing any idea whatsoever of what you're gonna be working on. And I did that 99% of it. I started forming an idea the day before and I couldn't help it. Mm-hmm. But it's not like you're breaking you know, some huge rule if you go in with an already Preconceived notion of it, but yeah, it's a great exercise to just sit there and get some work done. Totally, and you don't need a contest to tell you how to do that. But it helped me. Maybe it'll help you. Go check out that event. Yeah, uh, but just get out there and start knocking some pages out. And whatever you get done is great. I got eighteen pages finished that was pencils, and mm-hmm. I've turned it into a twenty-page comic that I'm still working on and, and going to do more pages for. Yeah. So it's just get out there and get the work done.
0: Can't. <sighs> I am just. I'm pooped. Oh, man. Exhausted. First episode done already? First episode. Episode one, in the bag and boarded. Yeah. No.
3: I I was like, where
0: was this going? But yeah, comics. This is comics. Bagged and waterboarded. Um, That sounds like a comic book podcast if I've ever heard one. (laughs) We are rebooting right now. (laughs) We've already, after episode one, it's .now. Comic book workshop 1.now. Bagged and waterboarded this is the new podcast <laughs> it's the new podcast it's going to be a hit um thank you all for joining us on this maiden voyage we really do appreciate you guys
1: sticking around and listening to us ramble about our favorite craft
0: seriously no it, it means the world if this, if this podcast ends up uh getting any listeners and even convincing one person to make a comic then i think both of us will be over the moon like the cow in that one song a <laughs> lot of musical references in this episode
1: we we really do want to share the the love and the knowledge because it can be hard Really hard mm-hmm. to go find that stuff out there. Yes, yeah. that's
0: kind of how our mutual relationship uh, kindled. I think we already talked about that. Yeah, we probably talked about that. I don't know. There's a we talk about things, Kent. You know, there's no way of knowing what we've <laughs> said or haven't said. The ether absorbs it all, but yeah, nothing. there's no way of even looking that up at this point. Absolutely not. Um, but no, thank you all for joining us. Uh, and if you would like to uh, follow the further adventures of Jason and Kent, as well as our funny friends, uh, then you can find us on any social media outlet at TMBC Workshop. Um, Twitter is where we will be retweeting all sorts of comic book advice. Uh, so if you want to see any tips from professionals or anything like that, our Twitter will basically be an aggregator for that type of thing. Um, our Instagram as well uh, be Same thing. Yeah, yeah a lot more visually oriented, you know, things that we see on Instagram or whatever. But we want to make all of our social media presence um, a, a resource just as much as we want to make our podcast a resource. Uh, and so hopefully that will be a, a place where you can, um, you know, find find all that stuff and, and find things to help you make your comics. Um but, uh, Kent, where where can they find you personally on uh, oh, social media? Uh, me
1: personally on the social media. The social medias. Uh, it's my first and last name, super easy, at Kent Heidelman. That's K-E-N-T-H-E-I-D-E-L-M-A-N. And All of them. Instagram, though, is my main stomping ground. So check me out there. Yeah. And then my uh, comic. Maybe yeah, it, check yeah. out your comic. I mean, like, I,
0: there was an ad for it earlier. Yeah, in the you, ad you break. yeah. You listened to that ad. Yeah, we, check we out Scariest and Screamforth. Scariest and Screamforth at com. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me at That Might Be Cool on the Twitters. Uh, you can also see all my stuff at That Might Be Cool.com, including The Savage Land, the great podcast you also heard an ad for. Um, and you can find my Instagram where I post a lot of my sketches uh, and random things every once in a while. Um, that's at A White Kid. Uh, and you can also find all of these things uh, links to everything in the show notes here and a big thank you to sean rosner whose music plays throughout our
1: show check out his album burn away defy the night and his instagram
0: at rosner.art.music um and we also did want to say one other thing this might have been in the ad break depending on what we recorded or didn't record yet uh but if you have a comic that you are looking to promote Um, please record a, an MP3 that is less than 30 seconds and send it to, um, ads at tmbcworkshop.com. Uh, if you send that to us, we are sort of doing, I guess we'll call it a contest. Um, but for our 10th episode, we will put in uh, an ad for the comic that we think has the best ad for free for free. Give you some free promotion. So um, if you send that in, again, ads at com. It's got to be less than 30 seconds. got to be an mp3. Um, if you have a comic you would like to promote, send that our way. We will be the sole judges of that on um, what we're picking. But we want to, you know, try to give it back. Already. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we will also, I mean, before finalizing our decision on a comic, we're going to probably go and read that comic. We want to make sure we're not promoting any kind of, like, hate speech or weird, you know, exactly. crazy stuff like that. So... Uh, But yeah, send in your stuff and we are uh, looking forward to reading it. Make sure if you like the show, you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening whether it be apple podcasts google play stitcher whatever um and also leave a rating or a review It you liking a lot, the show please, please. helps a whole ton especially for a new show like ours can't we're a little Whoa. baby fledgling b- brand baby new boy. just out of the podcast we're like world. bambi we lost our mom and now we're just trying to find our way in this world oh god this is getting dark oh but this is yeah maybe if you left us that review it would get better it would get a lot better um yeah leave us ratings and reviews on whichever podcast platform that you uh, are on and i was going to say come back next week but guess what kent oh uh what's next week well i mean there's two more episodes that are already there it's not even next week it's It's right right now now. right now jinx jinx you owe me a podcast all right i guess we'll i guess i'll pay up on that right now (laughs) (laughs) new episode uh ready to go thanks for joining us oh and uh kent yeah what's up last thing i wanted to do here this is something we talked about we're gonna end each and every episode with another comic creator telling us why they love comics, Ooh. so to send this little the little, little Mayflower off into the ocean toward the free land, here is Greg Capullo to tell you why he loves comics.
2: Hi, this is Greg Capullo, and uh, I've been asked why I like comics. Cause they're fucking cool. What else? What do you want from me? They're fucking
0: cool. mightbecool.com You never know